Hello and welcome to The Bulletin with UBS on Monocle 24. Each week, the sharpest minds and freshest thinkers in finance take you beyond the numbers and hype, right to the heart of the big issues of the day. Today on the programme, we're discussing the latest UBS House View, the monthly letter from the CIO, Global Wealth Management, which reflects on the Fed, inflation, ongoing volatility and the likelihood of a recession in the Eurozone. One of our regular panellists and friends of the show is here to unpack what UBS Chief Investment Officer Mark Hayfley describes as the economic bizarro world in which we currently find ourselves. And later in the programme, we'll head stateside too for a quick update following the Fed Chair's hawkish speech on inflation at Jackson Hole. We start with Kieran Ganesh, strategist in the UBS Global Wealth Management CIO. Kieran, great to have you with us, as always. Browsing the monthly letter, some right observations and an interesting comparison actually made by the, the CIO, your colleague Mark Hayfley, talking about bizarro world and things are a little bit upside down and topsy-turvy, aren't they, at the moment. But just uh, give us a bit of a, a couple of headlines out of the, the House View this month. Yeah, sure. Well, we called it a bizarro world because there are certain factors in the economy which are downright weird at the moment. You've got an environment where we're talking about rising interest rates and higher yields and a gas crisis in Europe. Yet when we look at the labour market conditions, they're very strong and there's record numbers of vacancies relative to the number of unemployed people, for example. We're seeing very high rates of wage growth. So there's really divergent features in the economy. And when we look at the way that markets are responding, that's also pretty weird because often cases of economic good news, so for example, businesses looking to hire more workers, have been taken as a bad sign for markets because that might mean higher interest rates. So you know, lots of unusual factors playing out in the economy and in markets at the moment. And we really see this as a time that investors need to be very careful about allocating their assets because it's very easy to get drawn into some of these signals and mistake good news for bad news or bad news for good news. So we really think this is a time that investors need to, yes, stay invested and stay long-sighted, but also be careful and selective about the way they allocate their assets. And we're looking for areas like value, defensives, uh, more safe haven assets like the Swiss franc as key plays at the moment. Well, there's a few aspects of that that we can pick up on in in a moment, Kieran. But I wanted to ask you a little bit about the Fed and to the extent to which there's confidence that the Fed can can manage a, a soft landing here, perhaps too early to expect any big pivots. But what have you made watching the Fed and, and what do you make of the decision making that we've been seeing so far? Well, I think many would say that they were somewhat slow to act. But once they have started acting, they're acting with real conviction and authority in terms of their attempts to control inflation. So we've seen you know, a pace of rate increases that I think very few people had expected um, at the start of the year with these consecutive 75 basis point rate hikes. So the Fed is really focused on getting inflation down. Now, of course, the big question is, how will the growth side of the economy respond to that policy? And there had been, I think, quite strong hopes that you know, the labour market could hold up relatively well while the Fed was hiking interest rates. And that would be the sort of perfect disinflation where you see interest rates rise, inflation fall, but not a big increase in unemployment. And, but I think in recent weeks, uh, investors have started to get a little more concerned about that picture because we're simply not seeing any sign of you know, significant weakness in that labour market. It's staying very, very strong. 
strong. We're seeing very high rates of vacancies, very high rates of job growth. And that's leading to concerns that the Fed may need to increase interest rates far more than people had expected. And that will doubtless have a, a bigger impact on the economy. So you know, I think we've got some question marks as to whether you know, this soft landing can be achieved. And that's part of why we're suggesting that investors uh, tilt relatively defensively at the moment in terms of their portfolios. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. And one one sort of note in Mark Hayfley's remarks that I thought was interesting was this idea, Kieran, kind of draws in these strands you've talked about, the importance for investors to think in terms of, of multiple outcomes. I guess there's always a risk that investors being drawn like moths to various flames, as you describe, with these big incidents and these these sort of particular aspects of volatility, that they might make mistakes when it comes to the timing of their moves in the market. A salutary reminder that you need to think about these 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 multiple outcomes uh, if you want to avoid making those sorts of errors. Yes, and we've been very focused on on the paths by which we might get to different scenarios. I mean, I think the the sort of end points here are, are relatively clear. You know, we either have uh, higher interest rates and this period of high inflation causing a relatively deep economic slump. We have either some sort of scenario where you know markets are or the economy is not great, but not too bad either. And then we may have a scenario where, you know, we come out of this in, in a good situation where interest rates have normalised, inflation's back to normal, and we can move forward in a good way. So I think the, the end points are relatively clear. I think it's the path that we've been focused on, because you, know, you can go down a road where the economic data comes in quite bad, and then we know we're heading to the bad scenario. You can have a scenario where you know inflation falls and economic data comes in strongly, and we know we're heading to the good scenario. Uh, but I think where we were focused on in the letter was some of the more dangerous scenarios for investors where things perhaps look good in the near term, because you know perhaps labour market data is still good, perhaps inflation is falling. And then that leads investors to fall into the trap of expecting that we're heading to the good scenario, when perhaps actually what's happening is that underlying inflation is coming through more strongly and the Fed's going to have to increase interest rates far more than people expect. And then that sucks investors into the market just at the time when they're turning down. So you know, that's the kind of scenario that could be the worst for investors if they uh, you know, get sucked in at the highs. And that's something that we've been uh, you know, concerned about. And of course, that's played out somewhat in recent weeks after the you know, recent rally we've had in markets, quite a sharp sell off in recent days. Yeah. And what about the scenario, I guess, the sort of upside, one of these upside cases where, you know, could inflation continue to fall? Can growth remain decent? You know, can markets actually rally further? That's maybe the upside case. I mean, do, do you think that holds much water? Well, a big factor will be what happens with commodity prices, because if we take a, a step back and you know why we're in this situation is you know, there's a big global squeeze on the availability of commodities that's pushed up you know, the costs of a really key input into the economy. And that's pushing up costs across the broader economy. And that's leaving central banks in a really difficult position of how do they squeeze out inflation at a time when growth is anyway weakening because consumers are feeling squeezed um, by these higher energy costs. And so what happens with commodities is going to be really important. And if we do see a sustained drop in commodity prices, you know, perhaps because of a you know, significant increase in oil supply, perhaps from the Middle East, or we see some kind of resolution to what's happening uh, with Russia and Ukraine, you know, then that could be a you know, good outcome for the global um, economy because it would remove a significant uh, constraint that we have at the moment. But the question is, of course, you know, what is the likelihood that that is going to happen? And the signals 
from OPEC at the moment are that they seem to be minded more to cut production rather than add to it. And we see no signs of resolutions to the uh, Russia-Ukraine war at the moment. And Europe is still uh, likely to press ahead with its ban of Russian oil imports. So to our mind, commodity markets are still very tight and prices are likely to head higher towards the end of the year. uh, And that means that more volatility uh, is to be expected for financial markets. Now, Karen, I'm always intrigued to get your take on what this means for investors, you know, how to actually invest, being mindful of all of these themes that you've mentioned. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because I think markets have already moved quite quickly to price in some better economic outcomes. But tell us, you know, what what are the sort of uh, the the buzzwords here? I guess continuing to take a a selective approach uh, to, to navigate this sort of volatility and I guess to try and build your portfolio to prepare for this variety of eventualities that you've been describing. But maybe if we dig a little deeper, what does the sort of investment advice look like? Yeah, so I think the, the first one is, is diversification. Um, when we look across the different scenarios, the ones which tend to be worse for equities may be better for some of the better quality bonds. So you want to have you know, some equities, some bonds, and also some alternatives in portfolios, because there are also scenarios in which both equities and bonds fall together, and particularly in situations of high inflation and rising interest rates. So diversification is a really key part of that. And then within each asset class, you know, we're till more toward the defensive end of each asset class. So within equities, we've got most preferreds on healthcare and consumer staples, which are both sectors which should be relatively resilient within a recession. In the bond space, we're looking at high-grade bonds, so the highest quality of bonds typically issued by governments or very well-established corporations. And then on the currency side, our preferred currency at the moment is the Swiss franc, um, because that's a currency with relatively low inflation, obviously a well-capitalized country, and a central bank with a very clear willingness and ability to tackle inflation. So thinking about diversification across asset classes and then within each asset class, tilting more towards the defensive end of the spectrum. Kieran Ganesh. Well, let's jump across the pond now for a US view. Here's Brian Rose, senior US economist in UBS CIO America. Brian, thanks for joining us on the programme once again. Brian, it's funny. I was talking with Kieran, obviously, just now about this sort of bizarro world. Mark Hayfley, the the CIO in Global Wealth Management, quite amusingly paints this picture about all of these funny, seemingly kind of contradictory signals, which continue to cause so much uncertainty. Just from your vantage point stateside, you know, is that still very much how you'd characterise the situation in which we find ourselves? It is. It's a very difficult to understand what's actually happening in the economy at the moment. A lot of conflicting data, a lot of uh, very noisy data, a lot of big revisions. So, you know, you think you know what's going on, but then uh, they revise the data and the story changes. So even trying to judge what's happening now or what the underlying trends in the economy, very, very difficult to know, a very unusual circumstance. And you know, if you're uh, at at the Fed, this makes life difficult. Uh, you know, easier to make a mistake when uh, you can't really rely on the data, or that the data keeps shifting under your feet. 
Well, yeah, let's talk about the Fed a little, because obviously we have had some seemingly better US data. And in some quarters, that's prompted people to say, well, look, you know, there's a better chance that the Fed can achieve, if you like, this soft landing that lots of people are kind of hoping for. But I guess it's still a little early to expect any kind of pivot from the Fed. And that certainly, I guess, if we pay attention to what Jay Powell had to say at Jackson Hole, that certainly underscores that point. Right. So I would say overall, the data has turned in a favorable direction. And uh, especially on the inflation front, we had the headline CPI flat in July. It's probably going to be flat again in August. And we're getting a big tailwind, a big benefit from lower oil prices. So especially gasoline prices have come down sharply. That makes uh, households happy. You know, they have more money to spend on other things. It helps to bring down the inflation rate. So, you know, and the, the economic growth data on the growth side has also been, been pretty good. Uh, so overall, yes, if you're trying to achieve a soft landing, I would say so far so good. Things are going in, uh, in the right direction, but still very difficult to navigate the months ahead. Well, that being said then, Brian, do you, do you think markets may be, uh, to a degree, underestimating central banks' willingness to, to keep hiking rates even as, even as growth slows? So, you know, the, the, this is, I would say, the main adjustment that markets made after Powell's speech at Jackson Hole is that up until that point, they were very aggressively pricing in Fed rate cuts. So, you know, they had the Fed uh, raising rates almost, you know, roughly roughly to the level that the Fed itself has been talking about, and especially in the June dot plot, more or less the market pricing was, uh, you know, close to that. But the market had the Fed starting to cut rates at a very early stage. And if you look at the recent Fed cycles, you can understand why. So the, the time between the last rate hike and the first rate cut has been pretty short in in the recent cycles but what powell was reminding the the market is that you know this cycle is different they're really fighting against inflation they're trying to restore price stability and also to you know maintain their credibility as a you know that, that the fed will keep inflation under control so under those circumstances uh, the fed is less likely to suddenly start cutting rates at the you know, the first sign of trouble. And that is what Powell said. You know, we, we're going to raise rates into restrictive territory and leave them there for a while. So after that speech, the market priced out some of those earlier rate cuts. And now it's, you know, it does seem more likely that the Fed will keep rates at whatever level they end up at. They'll, you know, leave rates at that level for quite some time. And, um, you know, they may not even cut in 2023 at all. Yeah, and there are, I guess, there's still a fair bit of, of uncertainty, lots of volatility. And it was interesting, you know, talking to Kieran a little earlier, Brian, he was talking about the importance for investors to try and prepare their portfolios, make investments decisions based upon this this sort of variety of, of different eventualities that could be there. And I would maybe perhaps finally just like to ask you a little bit about some things for investors to, to bear in mind, given the backdrop that you've painted. 
what are the key what are the key tenets, Brian? I guess it's things that we've probably discussed before about being selective, maybe now thinking maybe more defensively, trying to make use of that volatility. Are those some of the things you think that will inform good decision making by investors? Well, I would say it's very risky to assume that you're going to be able to forecast exactly what will happen in the economy going forward. You know, we really don't know what will happen. The Fed doesn't know. And, uh, you know, again, the Fed is, has said very clearly, we're just uh, going to stay nimble. We're going to react to the data and uh, act appropriately. So it could be that uh, inflation stays stubbornly high and the Fed ends up raising rates more than expected. You have to uh, account for that possibility. And you also have to account for the, the possibility that the Fed will not achieve a soft landing. So a lot of skepticism about going from a situation where the labor market is overheating, where you have a 9% inflation rate, and somehow you're magically going to you know, get inflation down without a big rise in unemployment and without a recession. Now, that sounds like a tall order. So lots of risks that things could uh, could go wrong. And uh, yeah, the investor portfolio should reflect that uh, risk or, or that this range of possible outcomes. So don't assume that everything is you know, going to work out for the best and you know, the Fed is going to get the, the soft landing that it's aiming for. Brian Rose, and before that, Kieran Ganesh. My thanks to them both. And that brings us to the end of this edition of The Bulletin with UBS setting the agenda in the fast-moving world of finance each week here on Monocle 24. Listen again and explore more at monocle.com. That's where you can join the club by subscribing to Monocle magazine. You can also follow this programme wherever you get your podcasts and you can discover more and find out how UBS can help you at ubs.com. This is The Bulletin with UBS on Monocle 24. I'm Tom Edwards. Thanks for listening.